Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from West Hollywood, California. Joining us today in the studio is director Johnny Green. We'll be talking directing, ice speedway racing, and shooting the glue. I'm your host, Jonathan Bookerlil, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the crew of the pirate ship that is Daddy OFM. We are at episode 10 and we have a multimedia extravaganza to mark the occasion. My oldest friend and brilliant director Johnny Green joins us at Fairfax Studios as we look at his directorial debut and his first commercial that won him Best New Director and many other awards. But first, I want to thank you all for listening and for all your support. In our first 10 episodes, we got to number 65 in the US, number 56 in the UK, and up to number 16 in Australia on podcast charts in the fashion category. So keep doing what you're doing, tell your friends, and please rate and review us on iTunes. It's the most important thing you can do to help grow the show. Daddy OFM has found its purpose very quickly. I want to bring you an insider's guide to the creative industries. I want you to hear their origins and challenges, successes and failures, inspirations and insights, but also their process. I want this to be a place not only to hear their great stories, but to learn something every episode. I want this also to be a mentorship for the next generation of creatives. So if you know someone who wants to be a director, a photographer, designer, editor, performer, stylist, or someone that just doesn't quite fit into the regular nine to five, then this is a show for them. Well, for episode 10, I'm very excited to bring you a director's commentary with Johnny Green on his first short film, Nyingfa's Dream, and his debut commercial, Audi Satellite, which followed. We look at how one inspired and led to the other. So before we continue, please go to the Daddy OFM YouTube channel. Just tap on the Daddy OFM logo and click on the link in the show notes for the podcast. Or just go to your YouTube app and search for Daddy OFM. Here you'll find not only the director's commentary by Johnny Green, but full versions of many of his best commercials. Also check out the Audi Making Of documentary. Not only is this a great look at the commercial, but it's also very interesting to see the last days of analog. So click on the link, watch the director's commentary, and then come right back for the rest of the podcast with Johnny Green. Well, welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed a look at Johnny's first film. We pick up the story now, the day after the commercial debuted, and not quite to the rave reviews Johnny was expecting. Oh, well, the look on the creative director's face when he watched the first presentation of this film he was like oh fuck what have we done so i remember this film came out on television there was a yeah. huge incident at bbh which was funny one the two creative directors one was like i love this film the other was like maybe we've gone too far we mm. there was a kind of holy fuck what have we just made <laughs> moment um so, and it was my first commercial and it felt like it was my career and if right. I fucked this up and, and people didn't like it, that would be the end of yeah. my career and I was, I was really, really nervous. So right. I, I was cut to me sitting in Soho in, in the world of, you know, TV commercial land around the production companies and advertising agencies reading Campaign Magazine and a review on... You know, oh, that must have been a, a moment for you, Johnny. Well, it was a Wednesday <laughs> afternoon, and they do the, the, t the top commercials that are made. And, and I 
bought it from the local you know news agent and right. i sat on the doorstep on my own with nobody <laughs> around and i opened and i looked for it and there was a picture of the car going into the water and it was audi satellite mm. directed by johnny green and the first line was directors like this should not be allowed into the back door of advertising <laughs> and i was like i was like directors like this should not be allowed wow. into the back door of advertising and he was like this commercial is derivative of of all the good Levi ads, but it's not good. And, oh, I, yeah. and I was like, I was like, <laughs> the Levi, well, the Levi ads. Yeah, well, were, I don't know. I didn't. I think Michelle Gondry was making uh, right. cre- cre- creative, abstract Levi commercials. Yeah. The time he made one particular drugs, drugstore, drugstore cowboy, or whatever, yeah. as a kid buying condoms from a pharmacy. Right. Um, I know it was a particular pocket in a denim jacket. But anyway, mm. I was reading this Jerry Moira. God bless and, you, Jerry and Moira. If I can, uh, and, and at the time, um, in London, in the UK, commercials w- were looked at with admiration and as an art piece. And, and, and as everyone knows, you know, English advertising is often you know, very innovative and do new things. Commercials were, were, were entertainment. Yeah. We watched television and mm. we watched television commercials yeah. and we watched television commercials on TV, obviously, yeah. and at the cinema, and we spoke about them. Yeah, and they it were discussed. It, it wasn't just a mode of, 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 of selling things in the UK. It was, it, it was a creative people thing would that talk people about were aware them. of. And they, we would have the, our top 100 TV, our top 10 TV commercials, yeah. our top 100 TV commercials. Jonathan Glazer was, you know, we, we talk about it all the time, but you remember Guinness Surfer. It was an, uh, an incredible piece of work. Everything that Jonathan yeah. Glazer directed would, 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 would call, was entertaining and would make people stop and look. And, and a commercial needs to make somebody. A very good friend of mine who works at an agency called Wyden Kennedy he said to me, Johnny, the thing you've got to do is just attract somebody's attention just for a moment. It's like get right. Fred, who's having dinner with his wife, to look up from his newspaper and go, oh, what's that? And, y- and you've succeeded. So if yeah. it's just a piece of music or a piece of sound design or a great image, so the first two, three seconds of a commercial have got to grab the attention. Mm. Do they grab attention anymore? How do people watch TV commercials? That's another subject for us to talk about another time. Oh, that, 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 I, huge, I'd love to have you in again and let's have a chat about that because yeah, I think it's really interesting because people... Fast forward through the ads n- now. And nobody watches TV commercials. No. Um, and but I think that, that that's why I think that, you, that you're such, still such a force because you would actually seek these out to look at. I, th- I think... I, th- I hope so. I'm not sure. Well, once th- we get the yeah. uh, Johnny Green uh, YouTube channel up and well, running, we might be able to <laughs> But it's interesting because <laughs> we're still doing it. You know, the directors who, who I've, you know, I've only been directing commercials 10, 11 years, but yeah. I'm trying on every single job I do to make it entertaining. Whatever, you know, there are certain advertising agencies in world advertising who are going to make creative work. Mm. And Droga 5, mm. you know, with whom I did... Under Armour, Misty Copeland. The work they do is going to be seen. It was seen by you know yeah. 11 million people in a, in a number of days. It's going to be seen because they they know how to get that work out there and get yeah. it seen. People don't watch it on television. No, they skip through it. But they, if it's good enough, you'll stop. They'll see it yeah. somewhere. They'll like see a you, poster, yeah. or they'll see some PR on it, or they'll happen upon it by chance. A part mm. of it, even if it's two or three seconds of mm. it, that interests them, they'll seek it out. Yeah. If, of course, if it's and also I think that 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 should be the challenge. Of, it is uh, the of of commercial directors and people that produce com- 
commercials to make sure that first couple of seconds stops you on the remote. Well, make sure it's entertaining. Yeah. It stops you on the remote from... from, uh, from let me watch this. Like, this is it. worth yeah. watching. This yeah. is not just, uh, just a car salesman yelling at me. So rare, this though, is... Jonathan. It's so rare. You kind yeah. of... And I don't... You know, I have very many, many friends making TV commercials and many, many friends who probably make beautiful films and make yeah. beautiful TV commercials, but often they... They just have to be sanitized these right. days. It's, it's not a shared experience anymore. But in, in the UK in, in those days, there were probably only, a, a, you know, there was the four BBC, channels. four channels. And, and did they have satellite at that point? I don't think they even did. Uh, it was the beginning of Sky. Right. It was, well, it was and so there was no DVRs, there was no way to, to fast forward. So you had a captive audience. So even at the cinema mm. now, you go to the movies here, wherever, wherever, in LA or in London, yeah. and you you don't even in the cinema get the great ads. No. You, 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 it's just nobody yeah, watches We, we may cinema. be in a, a golden age of television, but I think the <laughs> golden age of, of commercials it was about 10 years ago because there was the time of that Guinness commercial all around there was so competitive and 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 directors seemed to be especially English directors seemed to be pushing each other to to create more interesting more beautiful more memorable commercials yeah this particular commercial i think turned so many heads people yeah. were like we if he can do this then we can do this right or, or, right or if it's allowed right. i mean if you can yeah. if you can once be this, this is allowed and yeah. it's successful yeah. it, it just opens up things and, was, and yeah. yeah i'd be interested to know what i mean also the other thing which is incredible at the time you know the client who i remember very well chris was like i have no well, you see when you when you watch the making <laughs> it's such of, an incredible risk that this commercial yeah, he was like chris was like you know head of audi you know well he was head of marketing of audi worldwide head of audi uk and he was yeah. like johnny in the after the pre-production meeting he was like your what you talk about is very interesting and it's yeah. very exciting and mm. i love your images and i'm just blown away by it but i don't have a clue <laughs> what you're talking about but i trust you <laughs> i completely trust you and i trust the the agency and i think we're going to make an extraordinary film i've got no idea whether it's sold but many a6s but it's right. certainly got a lot of attention for oh Audi listen I, but i, I, but I don't, um, I don't think this is about selling A6s. I think it's about defining a Audi as, as a brand. Yeah. And, and, and well, but what was interesting was straight after this commercial, um, or soon after this commercial, Audi had had, you know, they, I don't know, they made a Audi Bull. Right, which was directed by an incredible guy called Nikolai Fuselig, who was, it was an extraordinary Audi commercial. Yeah. And it's what got me so excited when they called me up and said, Johnny, can you come into mm. BBH? We want to talk to you about maybe you directing an Audi commercial. I'd, I'd yeah. been watching Nikolai's Audi Bull, and I'm like, fuck, this is so beautiful. Audi Bull, Audi Spider, um, a guy called Frank Budgen, who unfortunately, God rest him, passed away recently, he made an incredible Audi oh. fish. You know, and just Audi were making spectacular commercials. But after this, after Audi Satellite, John Hegarty, I think at BBH, decided to, that black was gone and white was going to come in. So after this, right. most all of the Audi commercials have had a white, you know, generally have been brighter and whiter right. and slightly more lifestyle. Right. So yeah. it, was, it was the end of a particular era. Maybe I think, it was the end of an era. Because like I, I haven't been in the UK for uh, for a long for a long time for a long visit. So so is there still the conversation in in the UK about commercials? It, it was definitely you know commercials were water cooler talk in, in those in, in at that they were, time. They were. I don't. I don't 
think so. I don't. I. I'm. <laughs> I don't think commercials are watercolor. Talk television is. I found find it interesting because I was I was like ah oh, I miss the days of MTV when when you know where do you get your music now or well, you get your music on YouTube and 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 you go to YouTube to watch the videos they they still exist but they're just not on MTV and and they're watched and they're seen and they're seen by millions of people and so may, and and I know that that. Uh, agencies are doing a lot more launches on you on youtube and mm -hmm. and using it as a medium to, mm -hmm. to to actually launch campaigns and more uh, and more yeah, yeah more and more i mean the uh, i'm directing commercials which are only for yeah. for internet well the car photography as well i think what's mm -hmm. interesting about how uh I, at the time i was you know because at the time people would shoot car commercials you know in beauty light in the desert at mm. four o'clock in the afternoon or six o'clock in the morning you know and and cars perfectly illuminated and they and chris was like well how are you going to shoot the car well i'm going to shoot it at night I'm going to have huge rain machines and mist machines and fog machines, and I'm going to illuminate the car through the the mist and shoot it at long exposures. He was right. like, he was like, right, and, and is that going to look good? <laughs> How am I going to see the car? I'm like, probably Do not. we get to see the car? No. I listen, it, it's amazing to hear these stories because, like, it just simply wouldn't happen now. You no. wouldn't be given the space. You wouldn't be given the time. And and and. And the last thing I want to do on Daddy OFM is to have a lot of experienced uh, people, creators, come in and say, oh, it was better in, in, in the old days. But I think it's interesting for current filmmakers, current directors, up-and-coming people that are coming through the business to look at how, it, how these were produced just before digital became the way to do it. Well, I think it's interesting because you still, yeah, you say, and it wasn't, was it better? Was it worse? You know, uh, um, the techniques I'm still using to make yeah. to make films with an Alexa, you know, or a red camera, or whatever it is that we end up using, mm. you know, with the correct lensing. Yeah. And you design in a different way. So you yeah. plan shots in a different way. Yeah. And you create your sets and your worlds and your special effects mm. and you adapt them to, you know, you're still using exactly the same skill sets. The, mm. the techniques that I've learned from when I was 10 years old working in, in the film business. So all of those skill sets and all of those techniques just remain the same. Yeah. You just shoot them in a different way. Yeah. So um, it's the same but different. Yeah. But I think I think to see how how it was done will be interesting for for people coming up. Oh, in for the, sure. Yeah. The process is so different now to what it was then. Um, it's still interesting for me. I look back. You know, I re looked at the making of of Audi satellite yeah. which was a which is I have to say a brilliant making of film <laughs> it's it so well done and yeah. making of films these days are like horrible but this yeah. was like a professional and really beautifully mm. done in down to Thoughtful. such incredible detail and talking to all of the key members of my crew who are still great friends of mine who are you know at the absolute top of their of their business calpad you know even the the cockroach handler I mean, yeah. how amazing was he the yeah. cockroach doesn't like the warmth no it was it's it's interesting for its for its detail and and the creatives talk a lot about kind of the, my madness and and my detail and mm. that's that's the way that I work and always have worked and people that's the difference these days on commercials people are slightly f kind of it's almost, I'm not going to say they're, con are they concerned? It's like this guy is nuts. He's like, think every single detail, is he like, for real? Is he really going to go well, into that I, level I, of detail? I, I was, I'm like, I was, yes, I am. Johnny was good enough to allow me on set with him recently on, on the project he's working on now. 
and I think that sometimes they do look at you like they you're slightly bonkers. crazy, yeah. and uh, yeah. and because uh, you have a level of demand that uh, that I don't think that maybe people aren't used to these days, because you want to get everything right, yeah, everything right, and, and to a pe to perfection, and you also want these little asides to happen that you can use later. We were talking about it earlier on. We were talking about it even before this podcast, talking about what is it that you see. You know, it's, mm. I was I said to you this afternoon, it's theatre. So it yeah. is for me. It's not just there's two kids walking down the road, right? Um, but I want to f to know what they're seeing and yeah. what they're feeling and what's going on. And everybody else is like, but it's just two kids walking down the road. Why do you need? Why are you worried about how that how the condensation is on all the cars? And because like, we because <laughs> it, that creates emotion. It creates a feeling. Yeah. It creates. It, 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 it lets you care about yeah. these two people that you're only going to see for seconds. Yeah, but every single detail, even if on camera or off camera, for me becomes important because I don't know what's suddenly going to happen. Suddenly, mm. you know, I like I'm there with Darren, you, my cameraman, and we're like, wow, look at it, the way the suddenly the light changes and, and lights kicking off the windscreen. Right. And you're inside the car shooting through the condensation. Right. Seeing the kids and you get your best shot but everybody right. needs to be on they used to say it there's an ex like coil right. oh we're like cold springs john in back in the day in pine at pinewood the prop men would be like we're coiled springs whatever's gonna happen we'll be there for you in in and i sometimes find these days Listen to me, I'm sending like these days. Oh, no, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jump in here because it it, it it's I was on set with Johnny and and be with everyone with the phone with with constant access to the outside world and constant distractions crews before didn't have a television didn't have a radio plugged in and they were called springs and everyone was ready to go very professional but but i find a lot of the time that there's not the mindfulness there's they're not in the moment i think that they're ready to con yeah. contribute when there's something happens i think they're very professional yeah they? but but there's a delay yeah and it's like when and, and as a director it kind of gets frustrating and that's why directors get such a hard fucking time all the time for being you know for it, you've got so many things bouncing around in your head you're trying to get performance you're trying to yeah. get the, the, the look correct you're trying to get mm. the light right with the cameraman you're trying to get the art department right everything you sort of trying yeah. to battle everybody to get everybody focused yeah. it's just focus and it, uh, you know what it's like sometimes people do are having too good a time but you know it's okay yeah but I think with, we shouldn't um, be critical. Of no, it's not about being critical, but it's just different. There weren't the distractions on set uh, that 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 there are now. I mean, I uh, just don't think mobile phones should be allowed when you're shooting. Well, if you're on a soundstage, you know, shooting, you don't have a mobile phone. No. And people are people are focused on yeah. soundstage because they have to be. But yeah. so you know, when you're cold and it's five in the morning, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And between I'm takes thing, and everything, and people tend just to wander off. Yeah. Before there were that sort of phone, when they they weren't basically computers, I think people were coiled springs mm -hmm. and they were watching what was happening, and they were engaged, more engaged and more involved. And, and I just speak as that as a photographer because mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I have a rule that when uh, I'm on set, when we're shooting, no one can look at their phone, yeah. and and because it's, you know, what if something's happening? What if you miss something? They'll be engaged and be on the day. I was I think trained. Really important. Uh, yeah, I was trained. I grew. I grew up. We were talking about it earlier on. I swept the floors on, yeah. in the studio at Pinewood. Yeah, and I learned how to sweep a floor correctly right. i was t you know and it sounds ridiculous right. but you, yeah. you sweep a floor in a certain way and you right. make sure it's spotless and yeah. the benches of the carpenters mm. you know i clean the benches for the carpenters i clean the you know 
right. skip the set. You know, right. I learned from right. the bottom up. But what I did learn was that the job of every member of the crew is to be there for the yeah. director and to yeah. be, you know, just look at the monitor. How, yeah. how can I improve this shot? Well, I think that's that's such good advice for people people coming into not to the be scared, industry. Not to be scared to go, hey, what if I, what right. if I did Even this? if you contribute one thing makes because, you were, were, because you're engaged over the, 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 the course of the shoot, you know, then that's a job well done, you know, and that's an opportunity to be noticed and it's an opportunity to go, okay, this guy, this girl knows what they're doing and they care about what we're doing, even though they're just, you know, the, the runner. Well, what when it boils down to what you're doing, um, uh, we, we can talk about theatre, you can talk about actors. So what, what do you do? How do you create a world for an actor? So an actor needs to walk into his domain or his environment or onto his set and feel like there's some love or some passion or it feels like it's right. part of his character and personality. So even if we're talking about two kids walking down the road mm. and they and suddenly if there are 19 cars from the 80s and there are props from the 80s and toys or whatever it is you're doing, right. whatever it is you're creating for an actor, you're creating that world for him yeah. and he's going to, his performance will improve. Yeah. Because of the love you've put in, or the or the detail you've given into to creating his environment, and and like and uh, I sat uh, in with Johnny on on a pre-production meeting when he had the script and and he was about to uh, just figure out the shot list. So we sat down with the storyboard artist and Johnny, and it was a, there were backstories told about the, the, the there was a, there's a guy fixing the car in one of the scenes, and and he had a backstory. You, 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 Johnny knows who he is. And and I think it's that level of preparation and the detail that goes into the pre-production that allows you to have that space when you when you c come on set and, and allows for extra things to happen. It allows for 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 innovation. Yeah, mistakes and inspiration and inspiration and just yeah, the glue we call it. Right. Um, because without the glue, you don't have a, a film. You just got a commercial. So I think that's the yeah. that's the thing that I always look for, and that's the thing that, in, as I said before, in those meetings you have of, often with agencies and uh, clients, you, uh, they don't let me take any more of the glue in for the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, could you do me a favour and take out those sixty storyboard frames? You can't because they won't understand your glue. Right. Just tell them that's true. the basic story. It's <laughs> like two kids are going to walk down the road and they're going to fall in love and they'll be 40 and they'll walk into a bank. Okay? And um, gonna, okay, good. So that's what I, we're going to do. I've seen Johnny um I've seen Johnny do pictures and and, and trying to explain uh what he wants to do and he's there and there's this and then it goes and it goes and then it's two two sound This is basically sound effects. Yeah. And people just sit there, sitting there, staring at them, at him with their eyes wide and, yeah. and their mouths open. I'm good and, in a meeting. I'm and I'm like, good in a pre-production meeting. And I'm like, uh oh. Uh, yeah. they, yeah. like, has he lost them? Has he lost them? <laughs> but then they, the, when he's finished with it, they seem to know exactly what he was talking you about. You can describe a film with sense. <laughs> so that's ex you've hit, you know, hit the nail on the head. Actually, it's interesting here in Los Angeles. And uh, again, I, don't, I just haven't found the right sound designers. I use sound designers in London who get it, who can tell a story. If you can see the film in your head, see the images of the film in your head when you just listen to the sound design and, and the music score, then 
I've succeeded. And I obviously you can't, you know, you can't imagine, you know, you can imagine a, the, the, a vintage truck leaving a, a factory. You can imagine a train. It sounds, it's abstracted. It sounds like it could be in the snow or it could be echoing through a huge landscape. The, right. the voices and the sounds and, hey, mm. where are you going? You know, your kids' cartoons. Right. And it's all, it's it's memory and right. emotion and is, feeling. Yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah. And, and it's, you said something really interesting. You, Jonathan, saw a, director's cut of Sonos and you said I said what do you think I sent it to Jonathan because I'm, I'm interested in knowing what he thinks of, of my work it's important to to have somebody who can be honest with you mm. um, and you said something beautiful you said it made me proud to be human yeah. seeing it and that was and then I re-looked at it and I thought fuck he's right actually it's a f little short film about mm. people just about it was. couples so it was a commercial for Sonos and, and it's a great commercial and, and the, the first cut that, that went out We've talked about this, that Johnny's vision, <laughs> it, 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 it can scare people Challenging. Off. And it, it, it is challenging. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I believe you bring to it, it is, is something that is challenging to people. The commercial that, that's out there and that Sonos uses, it was great. And, and I'm sure it was effective and, and, and it was beautiful. Uh, but I, again, I walked, walked through the process with Johnny and, and I read the script and I read his treatment. And so to see to see the the director's cut of it, just brought in what I thought the commercial was originally about. It was it was about music and and what music means to to humanity and and it's the expression. Well, how does of music joy. make you feel? How yeah. does it make you feel? Yeah, and and I think with the, with the whole uh, digital time and and personal headsets, a great thing about Sonos I thought was that that suddenly you want to play music again and you want to have it in your house you want to have it loud and and be, have and it everywhere have it everywhere and and, and they're part concept, of your lives yeah. again and and yeah. that's why people are going back to to record players and 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 vinyl and and i just uh, to have music playing loud rather than just in your head i mean it can't through your uh, headphones. and their speakers are incredible and i have yeah. to say you know you, we shot rick rubin um right at his house in malibu and you know, he's an ambassador for Sonos, but his house is full of Sonos speakers. He use he loves them. Right. You know, he he's like he he has a he has a pair of speakers that he uses for his particular you know, in his studio, but he, for his personal use he yeah. uses Sonos speakers. He you know, they're a great product. Yeah. Um and yeah, and, and that's another great little short that, that you wanna see and, and all these will be posted on uh, Facebook, uh, Daddy OFM, uh, and hopefully our website will be up and running by then, but it will definitely be posted on Facebook. So go and have a look at the at the links because there's some beautiful work by Johnny. I and think it's done. interesting, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's uh, somebody, I, I think the making of, I think the three things worth looking at, if I was a young filmmaker, yeah. or if I was any, not even, if I was an old filmmaker, whoever, <laughs> whatever. But, uh, or if but it, no, no, I think it is anybody. more interesting for someone coming into the industry now to just have a look at look at, at, at Look at Niemke's dream, yeah. look at Audi satellite, and look at the making of Audi satellite. Yeah. And then if you've got in any further interest look at mercedes right. with josh brolin which i think was the next commercial right. i did after that but it's interesting just to see a progression you know people look at i mean commercials are commercials and you know people would look at you know the films of a director and right. get into that technique and see how they develop their technique i think as i think it's kind of the I, same i, I want to think i think uh, having and i hadn't seen these commercials for for about 10 years 
but to to go back into them and watch them one after the other it's it's so amazing to see a personal project that Johnny did when he first stopped production design to become a director and then to see how that translated for a completely different thing but all the elements of 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 that in the inspired short film were brought into this commercial and it's very interesting for a young director to see how you can take a creative thing and and still be able to use it in something commercial for sure absolutely mm. and and not be scared to to no. follow exactly you know how, whatever it is that you're doing but there yeah. is that you know there's, there's these days most creative directors art directors and creative directors and advertising agencies are looking at on you know looking at vimeo and yeah. looking at nowness and they're looking you know there's so much around and there's so much good stuff around mm. they're looking for you know the gems yeah and those gems exist, and they're so, there's, you know, like so. Everybody's looking for yeah. the next young yeah. superstar. And I think that it's it's watch everything, see everything, get your references, you know, fill your head with creative things, and and um, but then that will give give you then the space to to find your own creativity. Find yourself an editor. You know, mm. if I was giving advice to the young ones now, the young filmmakers, find yourself an amazing editor. Right. Yes. Because <laughs> you can go out and, and yeah. be free with your camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sh just shoot how you feel. <laughs> you know, be instinctive, be intuitive, yeah. and just and just feel. You know, use your camera and shoot mm. it. But if you've got an incredible editor, he can. A very good friend of mine, Bertie Miller, said to me when I first started directing, he said, you wait <laughs> till you start working with the great editors right. because they will make your work unrecognizable. Right. They will turn what you've shot into just majestic yeah. beauty. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, where are they? I haven't met <laughs> yeah. them yet. But, but then he because I'm sure that when you were editing, when you were shooting Nymka's Green, when you were 16 mil, you were I was just shooting, shooting to Anything. I, know, would, yeah. I was shooting, when I was shooting Yemka's Dream, I was shooting anything that I saw that looked good. I'd yeah. go to a bar, I'd get drunk, I'd mm. see a girl singing, a, ca in a Russian cabaret mm. singer. I'd shoot her, I'd walk out into the snow and it would be the suddenly start snowing again. I'd shoot, you know, I would shoot anything. I would imagine the edit in my head, kind yeah. of. Yeah. But then I was put in touch with um, a guy called Adam Marshall at a company called The White House in London. Neil Smith and Ad Adam Marshall, who took the time, took months mm. to help me with this project. Because I, you know, it took a while because yeah. I was doing it for, for, you know, for paying it for from paying myself and Johnny was a, a production designer for for a long time and and was constantly being uh, told you should direct you should direct mm. and I was like Johnny it's time to direct yeah. I could see the frustration if you feel that way then it's time to pick up the camera yourself or pick up the you know be the director and and but I think you know I, I think it's something that you shouldn't rush into and that you should wait till the timing's right, then it paid off because of your first short film was brilliant. You know, I often get driven to set by young kids, by 16, 17, 18-year-olds, right. whatever, you know, they're runners, and right. then they're filmmakers, they're writers, or they're yeah. cameramen, or they're... And I'm amazed that they don't take that opportunity to talk to me about this kind of, you know, they're like... They well, you are a little a, bit scary, don't I don't think I'm scary at all. I end <laughs> no. up saying to them, so you come know. on, tell me what you're doing. And, yeah. you know, and then you die because you kind of feel like you want to help, you know, yeah. the ones who Absolutely. are interesting. What yeah. are you doing with your camera? What are you doing right. with your writing? Where, where do you want to be, you know, yeah. when you're 25? What's yeah. your, you know, and it's interesting. And then one, actually once they open up and then they go, well, I did see... 
that film you did on, mm. but not that many of them. If right. I was a, if I was a yeah. driver, yeah. If I was a driver driving a director, but I would mm. take the time to look at the director and go, okay, it's Johnny Green or it's yeah. whoever, it's Chris Palmer, it's Nikolai Fuselik, it's whoever it is, Adam Berg. I'd look at their work. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I've studied this guy. Right. I've looked at his work three or four times. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to talk to him. I'm in the car with yeah. him for an hour and a half. Yeah. I may as well, rather than sit in silence, ask him about his filmmaking, yeah. learn from him, and, yeah. and it doesn't happen that often. And I don't think I'm scary because I'm definitely open. Well, maybe I'm a bit scary, but I'm open very much to sharing. I mean, that's part of, you know, people luckily shared with me and gave me chances yeah. all the way, all the way from, as you know, we said, from the sweeping the floor. Yeah. Well, listen, I, uh, this has been a very organic podcast. I had a, <laughs> I had a, uh, a format in mind, but, but but what we're doing here is, is new, is trying to, uh, new to me anyway, is trying to, to how can we all incorporate uh, something visual on something that that sound only? So we thought we'd we'd start talking just freestyle, and I think freestyle, the and then suddenly yeah. we're we're an hour into our podcast. Yeah. And uh, but I want to bring it back to the beginning when you when you're talking about that. Now Johnny grew up in 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 he's from Manchester, and uh, but his first uh, real job I think was with the Hampstead Theatre Company. Mm-hmm. And so, do you want to just talk about talk Amazing. about us for the for the, your very first start? Because I, I I don't want to skip over that, and and I want to have you back on. Yeah. And we'll but, have moved on to other things by then. So I want to make sure we get the yeah. Johnny Green origin story. Um, well, I quickly I'll quickly skip through the basics, which was yeah. uh, Middlesex Poly Foundation course, the standard approach then, mm. um, Central St Martins. Birmingham Polytechnic Theatre Design Master's Degree, then had a bit of a sabbatical and went off to. Did I meet uh, you yes, then? I thought, no, this was is New York the, or I, I forgot the. I, for, oh, I can't believe I, I let Came this out of my, for my planning. This is a time of uh, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Fortune. Fortune Became model. Johnny Fortune yeah. for a while. Um, <laughs> And uh, um, hopefully the internet is still full of pictures of uh, no, Johnny, it's not, Johnny Fortune. Ended up for, went for I should a, start posting went some. For a, um, went for a... I actually drove a friend of mine, Basher Zamorska, a stylist, yeah. down to Holborn Studios. I was so hungover. <laughs> and I was like, fuck it, all right, I'll drive you to Holborn Studios, um, which was the main photographic studio in London, yeah. and, and dropped her off, took all the clothes into the studio, and was like, eh, we're going to have a coffee. Yeah. Went, to the, yeah, went to the coffee bar. It was just... No, no cappuccinos. I don't no. think in those days. Just a cup of coffee, yeah. a cup of powdered Nescafe. Oh, was that, the coffee was horrible. <laughs> just in hot London water and powder. Yeah, and I'm powdered sitting there coffee with minding my own business, and then in comes Jonathan Bookerell, yeah. taps me on the shoulder. He's like, "I'm really, mate, right. mate. I'm really sorry, but anyway." It's another story, but it, it, this I don't think we could tell. I, I was working with uh, Stevie Hughes at the time, a, an amazing makeup art, artist and great photographer who, un, who unfortunately passed away several years later. Um, but John, but he saw Johnny, and uh, he's a very good-looking man. And was, was, he, was, was a very good-looking man. Still is. <laughs> and Stevie was like, Blanche, Blanche, <laughs> go, and, go, and, go and talk to that guy. Get him in here. I want to take pictures of them. I'm like, Steve, if you want to go and shoot him, you go and introduce him. And he's like, Blanche, do what I say. Get out there and talk to him. Get him in here. I want to do some photos. I'm just, eh. Uh, I'm just like, oh, I have to go up to this guy I don't know and tell him that my, the photographer I'm working with thinks he's really good looking and wants to do pictures of him. 
And so any, anyway, Johnny came in and uh, cut to us sitting here uh, a long time later. And How many good years friends. was that? At least 25. No, really? I think like 10 years ago. <laughs> it was the late 90s. 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago, Blanche. And so, and, but, but tell us about your time at Sorry, Hampstead Theatre. Theater. So yeah. I left, so I, I didn't have a job. I, well, I did. I was doing a bit of modelling. And then I, it, it, there's a theatre called Hampstead Theatre in Swiss Cottage. Um, just down the road from where I lived, I lived in Hampstead, and I walked down the road. I was like, I need to get a job. I walked into Hampstead Theatre, which at the time was a porter cabin, basically a hut. Right. It was a fringe theatre. I didn't know that much about it, to be honest, but I wanted to be a stage manager. A stage manager is the person who does the scene changes, makes the tea for the actors. Has a clipboard. Has a clipboard, takes flowers to Vanessa Redgrave or takes, <laughs> makes Albert Finney a cup of tea. I was the first, literally, I walked in, they gave me a job, and I was making a tea for Albert Finney, who's one of the great, I mean, I'm sure yeah. everybody knows who Albert Finney is. Making tea for Albert Finney taking Vanessa Redgrave's flowers into her dressing room. I was learning about um, theatre set, you know, I trained as a theatre set designer, but I was learning about theatre stage management, doing scene changes, sound design, lighting design. I was with, I was painting a set on the stage at Hampstead Theatre in an empty um, auditorium, but there's one bloke sitting in the auditorium making notes. And he said, uh, he called out, he said, you're painting that set very well, young man. <laughs> and I turned around and I was like, well, thank you very much. He said, why don't you come and sit down next to me? <laughs> <laughs> so uh -oh. I looked, no, I know, and then I looked at him and I was like, that's, that's Arthur Miller. Right. And, and it was, uh, <laughs> and it was the writer, um, Arthur Miller. Amazing. And we chatted about his marriage to Marilyn Monroe wow. and, and screenwriting and theatre and, yeah, so that was my first experience. And so Hampstead, Hampstead uh, Theatre is one of the classics in London. Great, right? great, great, great fringe theatre. Yeah. Still is, it's expanded and it's now a beautiful theatre. They've kind of, they've got sponsorship and money and it's a fantastic theatre. So, I, you know, that's where I trained, that's where I began. I began understanding how an actor performs on a, on a stage, how a, right. how a set is designed to create a world for an actor. Mm. So when an actor walks through that door, you know, he, he's in his environment. He has to feel comfortable, whether, mm. it, whether it's a negative black space or whether it's a New York apartment or whether it's the moon. Whatever right. it is, he's got to feel like it's been created for him. And then yeah. suddenly he relaxes. He's yeah. like, ah, oh, this is my world. And yeah. I've, had actors, I've had actors burst out crying, walk onto a set, and just yeah. the detail <laughs> that we put in, they just yeah. go, I can't believe you've Right. created this for me and their their world is is yeah. around them and they perform so that was my training sound sound design yeah. great 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 theater designers some of the best theater designers were working there so i was fortunate to be uh, at hampstead they had some incredible incredible experiences yeah. and, um, and uh, oftentimes a a uh, that, that's interesting what you say because oftentimes you, you, the, in the making of it is it, of the of uh, the Audi commercial, there's all this time put into into um, a set, into a model, and and that only appears for a split second on on film. And you say in, in the in the making of yeah, you go. He said, "It's like I feel so bad. Is this is such an amazing miniature of this town, but it's only going to appear, appear three shots, in th three shots for split seconds." Yeah. Um, and it took Kalpesh eight, nine weeks to make. But yeah. that's what's interesting about the theatre set is you're you're sitting in an auditorium right. looking at it. So right. like a great, well, you shouldn't be looking at the set, you should be looking at the actors. So right. a great theatre set, you don't even notice right. when you're sitting. But what I was trying to get to with, with, with that, it, it's not. It's often not what ends up on film or what ends up on stage. It, it, it's, it, it's what 
what the job does that, that, that allows the space to get the best out of everyone. And if, 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 if someone's done a, a, a set and the actor comes in and cries out of gratitude, it doesn't matter if you only see a tiny part of it or you don't see everything. Doesn't matter if the, the the clock that you put on the wall that's not being shot. If that makes yeah. gives the the actor the, the space one second, they need. Yeah. yeah. Even if for a commercial, if it's the one second, that two second shot that gets in the commercial, or if you're at the theatre, it's the mm. full two hours of watching an actor perform yeah. on the stage. It's the same. It's kind of the same thing. And so that sounds like an, a, a a a great introduction. Foundation. Yeah. And, good foundation. Um, and and so you've moved on from there, and then you started in production design. Some friend of a friend said um, there's a company called Red Wing in London, in Greek Street in London, and their director there, David Anderson, was doing a, a mortal a commercial for Mortal Kombat, the video, right. one of the very very <laughs> very very early video games. Yeah. Um, and I went in for the meeting, and he said we've got no budget, literally no budget, um, and I'd never designed a set before. Yeah. And uh, and I said, oh, fine, no problem, I'll do it fine not a problem and I walked out and I was like the fuck am I gonna do how do I design a set you know for no money at all so I had I found an assistant who had a, an old post office van and we huh. went and begged borrowed stole materials I asked a friend of mine who was an art director if he could help me with the drawings he helped mm. me design some sets I had amazingly actually Tom Dixon who's a brilliant um, furniture designer now huh. I mean, has a restaurant in London and uh, he's uh, incredible incredible uh, the furniture designer at the time had a studio and he was doing metal sculptures mm. so I asked Tom to make some metal sculptures for me he did and it was just you know my and it went well and it was my first job and you know I built a desert set and right. a, an abstracted set made of metal yeah. a corridor made out of metal um, and a ship you know Kalpesh made Kalpesh my assistant was is the most extraordinary model maker yeah, he is amazing can make anything out of anything and he made me a, a shipwreck that mm. we put into a desert set and um, and we made the costumes, and that was it. You know, after yeah. that, they, there were more and more jobs, all for mm. no money, no budget, right. no money. It was just me and my mates in the post office. And man. I think the the uh, I think part of your success as a production designer was that uh, was your pride of of the pride in the work that you were doing. Never give up until it was and, just and, never and you ever treated that yeah. commercial as your commercial. Yeah. No, you just yeah. weren't hired on it and, and, and think this comes with film. some of the frustration yeah. with people now is it that that it's just a job and, yeah. and but, but how can I make Johnny it better for the director? Yeah. How can I make it better for the cameraman? How right. can I make it better for the first assistant director? How right. can how's the cameraman gonna deal with this set that I'm designing? Yeah. How is he gonna light it? So I yeah. think we you know, we would meet I would meet the cameraman and chat through my ideas and do you need how much distance you need between the lights? Should we put a skylight above yeah. here? What kind of reflective material right. should we make the floor for? You know, we every single detail mm. would be thought through before the director even arrived on set. He director wasn't even aware of what yeah. was going on. You know. And I think that's a, that's an interesting thing. If you go into if you work if you work in the creative industries, if you treat what you're doing as the most important job, then then you'll go far. You'll get noticed, and 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 you'll never let yourself down. Never. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely true. So yeah, that's um, building from. Well, you you very quickly get noticed. You're like, yeah. fuck, this guy works fucking hard, right. and he's there all the time. Yeah. And he's making me look good. Yeah. You know, you get you make a director look good. He's going to work with you over and over and over and over again. And eventually, what does tend to happen, and, and uh, you know, and I I love the direct. All the directors I work with have are all most of them incredibly successful. But they they're busy. 
yeah. and they don't have time to, you know, they they right. Work. There's a million things on on, so on their mind. On. And, so uh, if they've got their guy who is looking over every single detail and making sure everybody's doing their job and overseeing yeah. the posts and overseeing the wardrobe, wardrobe and the costume designers and the special effects and the prop makers and, you know, their life is made easier. They can focus on being directors. Yeah. On 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 the actors, and that's what directors. You know, some directors are visual. Some directors are performance, some directors are visual and performance, but most directors need the space mm. not to be worried about all their mm. departments and if their production well, designer when, does that, his job. Yeah. Well, that's when the magic happens, when, when, when you stop worrying about the, the, the basic shot list you and get getting freedom. what you need to do. If, yeah. if you have the, that space, then, then other things happen, mm -hmm. uh, you know? Yeah, and which I, you know, with with shooting with shooting uh, uh, schedules now and less less days, and it's um, I, I wonder how that that that's achieved. Uh, so, how long did you spend as a production designer before you moved on to directing? Um, Twelve, thirteen years, four, mm. maybe even fifteen years as mm. a production designer. Um, yeah. And I remember you. T you know, I remember uh, Malcolm and other guys all pushing you, going, "It's Johnny, come on! It's about time. You should, should, you should do directing. You, I know you should. You can do this." And they did, but they didn't really want me to go. No, I know because then they'd lose me. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm was like, "I have, I have. Interestingly, I actually only work with three or four directors because they became." Great friends, Mal yeah. Malcolm Venville, and one of my closest friends yeah. in the business, who I worked with for so, 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 so many years, and we, you know, we kind of l taught each other how to be, how to have, but maybe we even taught each other how to have taste, in right. a funny way. We taught each other, you know, his influence and my influence was just was a kind of a perfect marriage. Mm. The two of us were great for each other. Him, yeah. you know, him and Daniel Barber, uh, those two guys I worked with for virtually my whole career, nonstop yeah. on every single yeah. job, traveled the world with them. Was you know, I was a best friend, a brother, and their designer. It was yeah. a very, very close relationship, and I loved every minute of it. And I learned so much about the business and met so many incredible people mm. from every you know in the British film industry. Amazing, talented people. Um, so you were asking, how did how did that? How did I become a director from there? Yes. Well, I, 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 I guess my question is, is um, why? Somebody why actually did said you to me. How, some, how come some, you? Yeah, somebody on. said to me. He said, "If you tell me one more time that you're not a director yet, I'm going to fucking punch your lights out." It was somebody. Was I think that? it was Rob Godbold. Right. He was like, "You know what? I'm sick of hearing that. Have you? Are you directing anything yet? No, no, not no, yet. no, 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 not, not yet. Not quite ready. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a few more jobs. A few more things. And I'm like, I was like, Johnny, just do it. Just do it, do it, do it, do it, yeah. do it. There comes a point, I think, when you when you start doing too much for the director as a production designer. Right. So there comes a point when you feel it yourself, or they even right. feel it, and you yeah. start to get frustrated. Yeah. You start to, you know, the director starts to think, well, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. You know, he's now stepping on my toes yeah. as a director. And, and, and you're right, and that is the time that to, to do it yourself. Do it. And yeah. they're like, well, go on, just go and see if, if you think it's that easy. Go to yeah. it. Let's, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see yeah. how you do. And hence, cutting to me sitting on the doorstep in Soho Square right. with this guy. <laughs> shouldn't be letting the back door of advertising he's like he's never his career is over thank you jerry moira 
is that, That's is that the writer? Jerry yeah. Moira. Jerry Moira. Jerry Mo- well, you know what? It's a funny story, but I did. I went to Matthew Brown, who's another good friend of mine who runs a company called Knucklehead in London, who first took me on under their wing, Matthew and Tim Katz and Daniel Barber. Still friends of mine, boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matthew was like, I was like, almost cry. I was like, Matthew, my career's over. I went back to Knucklehead. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this guy, Jerry Moira. He's like, yeah. He wrote this review on, on Audi in Campaign magazine. Yeah. The whole of Soho is going to read it. Yeah. Every advertising agency you're going to read it. He's right. told me that I'm, I have no career. And Matthew was like, Johnny, yeah. if Jerry Moira liked what you did, you'd be in trouble. Oh, right. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like I was like, thank you, like stars. Go. Well, you, you need you someone do. like that in your in yeah. your life when you're doing the you, you know. The one thing I, I'm realizing as I talk to more people is that they have a they have a support system around them and the, the people that that can that can tell them the truth. One bad comment will will stick, and a hundred good compl- compliments will just slide yeah. off your back. And it's, yeah. you know, that was a tough one for me. You know, that I was, bet that it was getting the next job. The first was, one, yeah. yeah. But I kind of. Yeah, I've, I've chosen carefully, mm. you know, in, in my career. I don't do that many commercials. I do enough to be able to, you know, survive happily. But yeah. I don't do. I don't work for for money. I work for creativity. And often that's a, another problem in this day and age. People, it's commerce. <laughs> the yeah. number of times people <laughs> I work with, like Johnny, it's, Johnny, it's commerce, yeah. not art. You're it's making a, a TV commercial. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's a commercial. It's not a commercial. Art yeah, you're not allowed to write that name down. Art Herschel. Our money or your money on this fucking case. <laughs> Bank commercial. Yeah, yeah. it's a oh. Chase Bank commercial. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I, well, Nyemka's dream. Yeah. You know, it's like, what am I going to do? So, how do I become a director? You know, how do I, how does one become a director back at, you know, you pick up a camera or you write a story or you, you know, you write a story, you find an actor, you shoot it, you make, mm. you make, you make something that's going to get noticed. What it's these days, it seems like everybody's making things right. that are getting noticed. You know, you shoot, obviously. A, somebody dancing a music video anything somebody yeah. talking you can make short films everybody's making short films and lots of people are getting noticed back then you know i was like of course me being me it had to be it couldn't just be right okay yeah. so it had to of course you know it had to go off to russia and and <laughs> find this man Nyemka, who i'd read about in the newspaper yeah. and it became that really became the film but tell us the story about that because if you listen to the uh director's commentary of the of the commercial you you You'll definitely hear how how it got started, but um, if you're just listening to the podcast, how did you uh, how did you, you you first found out about uh, this idea by reading a story about Nyemka in the in, in the, the paper? newspaper? Yeah, I was just at uh, home reading the paper, and it was just a tiny article. I can't even remember what the article was about, but it was uh, just said uh, or why the article. It was a small feature on. Uh, the Mongolian, the Ulaanbaatar Ice Speedway Club. And I was like, okay, interesting, Ulaanbaatar Ice Speedway Club. And it said the Captain Nyemka. And I think it, all it said was the Captain Nyemka, a wolf hunter. A right. wolf wolf hunter Nyemka, the captain of the Mongolian Ice Speedway Club. Right. And that was enough for me. And, and interestingly, at the time, I was looking at the work of a photographer called Martina Hoogland, who's a Swedish, a brilliant Swedish yeah. photographer. And she'd, uh, she'd done a portrait of a sumo wrestler that I was obsessed with. Um, uh, and I thought, hmm, I want to meet Martina. So I called up another friend of mine, Emma Reeves. I don't know if you know Emma Reeves, mm. who at the time was working for Dazed and Confused. And I said to Emma, do you know Martina? And she was like, yeah, I'll introduce you. And I called up Martina, blah, blah, blah. I met her at, uh, in Soho for a cup of tea and said, I'm going to Russia. 
to make a film about Niemka, this wolf hunter, uh, ice speedway racer. And Martina was like, I'll come. <laughs> and cut to like two weeks later, I'm having a lesson how to use this funny 16 millimeter camera, right. which I'd never used before. And me and Martina are on an aeroflot to, 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 uh, to Russia and then on the Trans-Mongolian Express. How long was the train ride after you touched down? Was it was that did that journey become part of the film? Yeah, I mean, I obviously not, you filmed it. It, it but did. It did. And interestingly, when I look back on what I was seeing, um, I think a lot of what I was seeing I couldn't film because it was Russia 15 years ago, right. and you can't just take a camera out. You couldn't back then, just take a camera out and yeah. film anybody because you just it was just not done. Yeah. So some of the sights and sounds on the Trans Siberian Express. Then I know nowadays it's kind of a tourist kind of thing. Right. You're on a Trans Siberian Express and and it, you know everybody's doing it but back then uh, it was a form hard. of transport well, but it was, it was a form of transport for that for some of the most theatrical well, and interesting people you right. ever want to meet you know like russian mafia gangsters right. prostitutes pimps down <laughs> and outs the train stokers the restaurant wow, the wow. kind of stops you know and it was minus 50 degrees so yeah. there were people on the dying on you know on the, and each it was so cold right but it was so hot on the train right. so the train stoker would just keep the fires burning right. and, and the cabin the cabins and the trains were roasting hot but then you'd stop and go out onto the platform to get some dried fish mm. or some salted Amazing. fish or a beer and it would be you know it's minus 50 degrees so below 50 um so that experience was extraordinary and we went to you know we took it all the way to to mongolia you yeah know, we went through to mongolia and um um oh to begin with we went to ekaterinburg on the trans-siberian express to try and find Nyemka, and i was right. calling in advance with my russian translator and you know it's like are oh, the are the mongolians going to be there at this competition and people would laugh you know, the Mongolians, no, they're not coming. They don't have a bike to race. You know? right. And then somebody said the Mongolians are coming. They're on the list. Mm. Nyemka's coming with Hada, who was right. his best friend. And I was like, really? They were like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're coming. They may be here on Wednesday. So I'd go to the, to, the, to the Speedway Stadium every day where the Russian army would be clearing the snow because there was so much snow drift. Yeah. Look, literally looking for Nyemka, going around the mechanics. And there was a ballet school in the stadium as well. It was like a city. Yeah. this little uh, speedway stadium and then eventually somebody said oh the mongolians are here mm. or somebody said would you like a vodka first because all you do <laughs> at that time is drink vodka it's like you can't move without yeah. having a shot of frozen vodka wherever you are in russia in that right. time and then somebody pointed to the stands empty stands and there was a guy sitting there with that gray sweater yeah and that mustache huh. uh, and a fur hat and i went uh -huh. up to him he didn't speak a word of english and i was like a yunyemka yeah and uh the translator you know spoke a bit and explained that i was a filmmaker from london and i wanted to make a film about him and he was, you know, was surprised. Obviously. He must have been slightly confused. Confused. <laughs> very confused and very surprised. So nothing was arranged before you went to... No, no I just turned up. I just flew, I just went and right. to find him. And, and so it wasn't called Nyemka's Dream at the time? No. It wasn't, it, it, there was none of that? No. No, it, it was, was just um, you was it, you going know to, to, to make up a short film the about ice speed raid racing. The only way I can describe it is a, is a scrapbook. I can describe right. it as being um, is, as being completely organic scrapbook of, of filmmaking. So there was no plan at all. Yeah. Um, the only plan I had was to find him. 
so um, there was no, not you know my only plan was to find him. So mm. you know as soon as I, I mean as a filmmaker you get to Russia in the winter and it's spectacular. Yeah. It's so beautiful yeah. visually. You know the textures and the sights and the sounds of the place of of Siberia, the train stations, the bus depots, the kind of as I was saying before the 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 bars and the kind of restaurants and it's like it was it was like the Wild West. Yeah, you'd you just fall in love with crazy strange right. Russian cabaret right. singers, as I said, and just spend all night drinking vodka, shoot filming, and the food uh, was was. I can't remember the food. Right, I just just Cut. got drink. <laughs> <laughs> the food was the food was meat. The right. food actually, you know what? Yeah. The food was good. The food was, was. barbecued meat with okay. berries. Oh, wow. Yeah, the food was 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 char grilled meat with Logan berries. Right. Wow. And frozen vodka <laughs> and cold and cold beer. Breakfast of champions. Yeah. Um, so. I, you know, I was just there in Russia with yeah. a camera and lots of batteries and battery charges and, and trying to often load the film badly because it's so cold <laughs> yeah. and all of the mistakes that you make from putting even putting the film in back to front or right. the battery going flat while you're shooting. You know, you turn the frames per second up to 60 frames right. a second as you're shooting. Put it back. Well, you shoot... Yeah. As a battery, the battery dies. <laughs> but you get... Right. But did that give you any course, special... Beautiful shots. Right. The best shots. Yeah. It's like, it's like shooting slow, long... Again, you're shooting long exposures. So you get like long... Right. And there's no way to, to set your film, to, your camera to that. So no. you must have got Exposures. some extraordinary. Yeah, well, I mean, to, 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 as it slowed down, like yeah. you can't kind of set it to 60 and then. <laughs> no, no, you don't have very speed to no. change that. So, yeah, I mean, the, the mistakes were, were beautiful. The, right. the place is extraordinary. Um, as I said, it's a scrapbook. It was, yeah. for me, I had no particular plan. I would shoot something, I would be with the, my, the guy in the who drove the taxi and he'd drive me around and we'd find a, you know, mm. I'd shoot that and then yeah. I'd find a, a, a bus station and yeah. I'd go into the bus station and I'd find an interesting looking bus, I'd get on the bus I'd go, you know, travel through Katerinburg on a bus right. and I'd be shooting you know, an old lady talking to a friend on the bus it's yeah. all background textural glue yeah. but it was just, I went to wherever I went, I'd find a bar, I'd have a drink, I'd shoot the scene in the mm. bar I'd imagine Yemka being in a bar and then I'd imagine I was him kind of walking home to his house and I'd yeah. shoot that point of view or I'd, then I'd get him and take him and have, you know, his his daughter was a dancer so I'd shoot, or Martina actually would be mm. shooting his daughter who was a dancer. So, you know, the two of us were, she was shooting stills, I was shooting film. Mm. We decided to make a book mm. um, which, was a, which was stills and film. So she was shooting kind of the, the whole story with stills so yeah. and we did make the book and we had an exhibition in london and oh, beautiful um, book yeah is that still available it's i you know me being me i never really got it together to correctly <laughs> publish it and martina right. wasn't particularly happy with the layout ah. i kind of bullishly just went forward and and did a right. layout and she didn't like some of the layout so it was right. a bit of a on the night i had the exhibition she turned up and was like unhappy but she's fine now okay good all good. Well, that is, it was an interesting project, you know. I'm sure she thought that, that there was a director coming to shoot her uh, photo book and uh, and you were like, I'm shooting a f short film and, yeah, uh, and I've got a photographer around. Yeah, it was, uh, but I have to say, Martina, if you do, I mean, I know this isn't about personal um, uh, relationships, but she taught me so much, just her style of photography. And guys, if you have a chance, look at Martina Hoogland Ivanov. Absolutely, and, and, I, and I think this is about personal relationships, yeah. and because and, and, I think that that is in danger of, of, of being lost 
in the creative industries, and I think it, it, it is important about the people you hang around with. It is important about the your, your inspiration and, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Well, it, we were talking about in. it earlier, you know, um, as I said, we mentioned it before, Ben Davis, who was who turned up to come to London, um, come into the studio and shoot some shots of the models Calpish yeah. made. In an afternoon, he'd finish a commercial. He'd pop down to see me and shoot a model then he'd be like okay yeah i could on wednesday i can come and see you at your house and because i'd be shooting a little snow scene with right. another model cap i should made and you know ben is now one of the you know as i said he just shot new avengers uh, age yeah. of ultron uh, <laughs> dan landon flew to mongolia i was like dan hey, what are you doing next week he was like uh, i've got three days off i'm like fly to go i got him to <laughs> get mongolia on the plane. get on the plane meet me in ulaanbaatar at this yeah. hotel and he and dan just I don't know whether you guys have seen a film called Under the Skin, which was directed by uh, Jonathan Glazer. If you haven't, you should see it. Dan's an absolutely brilliantly talented cameraman who gave gave me his time back then, you know, when he was an upcoming commercials director of photography, but gone on to do great things. So, yeah, personal relationships. Still have mm. them. You know, Dan shot that Nike Neymar Mirrors film with me in uh, right. in Brazil. You know, the, the, the relationships and friendships you form, I mean, they come and go because... Yeah. sometimes get frustrations but they cut they generally come back yeah. and they're lifetime relationships mm. these people i've been working with for 20 years you yeah. know they're still and i'm still working with them yeah. still love them so you know that that's important to have people like that in your career and in your life and to do that support and to have like-minded people understand you can trust yeah shortcuts it's hard yeah in, that's in, right in los angeles because every time you do a job you're doing it you're working with a brand new crew right uh you are often working with a new production designer always working with a new first assistant director always working with a, a new cameraman because they're so busy so yeah. you, you can never get them unless you're a director who works job to job to job to job you can't keep the same crew right. so there's no continuity so you're starting fresh relationships mm. on every project mm. you do, which is hard which is exciting it is hard, hard. I, I, again i think it, it goes back to that idea of of allowing yourself space to to when you and when you have people you trust around you 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 do have that space to to let your your imagination loose and to do things that might that are unexpected yeah um, <clears throat> but also you're not exhausted by the time yeah. you get to is what tends to happen is you know your build up to a commercial generally takes three weeks here mm. you know if you're shooting in la it's sometimes longer and they do things quicker here than in in the united kingdom where i'm from um but here things happen fast um, and it's intense and if you're having to oversee every single detail by the time you get to shoot day one you f you're exhausted you know you're knackered mm. you're kind of like and you're not sharp and you have to be sharp and you have to be you know your eyes need to be wide open because stuff happens all the time and you're running that you know you're running a big you know you're navigating big oceans or you're you're running a big sh you know you're in charge of, a, of 150 people yeah you know, and you're the person in charge. They listen to what you say and what you say they do, you know, mm. and you can't fuck up. No. And you can't take people down down blind alleys and right. something because you can't waste two hours of, a, right. of an eight-hour day, right. you know, when you've got 15 scenes to shoot. So you know, you know it well with as a photographer. Yeah. You know, you've got 20 shots uh, doing a day. You, you can't, you yeah. often don't have time to experiment. No. You've just got to nail it. No. So you must be creative now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that happens through preparation, preparation. and experience yeah. and and you know knowledge and and technique and knowing when you can let go. Knowing mm. right, I've got that shot. I'm yeah. here. You say to your first right. AD, are we, "How long have I got?" Usually they say, uh, "You don't. You're an hour mm. late, so you don't have. You have and minus an hour." Yeah, 
Right. It's like, do, <laughs> do I have time to do one shot, one experimental, yeah. one glue shot, one Yemka's dream shot? Yeah. I just want to shoot this thing yeah. here. And he's like, what does this thing here mean? It's like, well, the trees or some smoke. Right. Or have we got a smoke right. machine? Have you got a wind? You know, what can we do? Have you got a fire? You know, fire, yeah. let's get, let's make a fire. Let's get some smoke. Let's and shoot I saw, some I saw one of the, the, the edit of, of, on the commercial we're just talking about. And there is a brief shot of trees, looking up at some trees in the sky. And it really adds a, a lot of flavor to the film. It's just like a split second of the... the of I'm trying to get more in. And interestingly yeah. on that, even on that edit, I'm... Because it's, you know, it's a commercial for Chase Bank. And yeah. it's a commercial for Chase Bank. And it is a com it's commerce, not art. But mm. because it's for a great agency, Droga 5, amazing yeah. people, they they want art actually they want a film they want it to be they want to have a 30 second commercial and a 45 second commercial on tv but they want a short film and they want people to go to the internet after they've seen the entertainment hopefully on the television and be fully entertained mm. by watching a long version and that's the way you know our business is working long format commercials yeah. get them hooked with a with the first two or three seconds yeah. they may look up from dinner and and like the soundtrack or like a scene they see and then boom they're off they're mm. on the internet hopefully so you came back to london and another question i have to ask is is that you shot it all on 16 film were you seeing any, any rushes were you seeing anything you shot while you're out there no <laughs> <laughs> no so how long you were away for you're away for six weeks Felt without like six seeing right, yeah. yeah oh my god yeah no, um, just lots of, and I'm so disorganized. Yeah. I'm the most disorganized human <laughs> being on the planet, and I'm cack-handed. I've got like thumbs for fingers. So me trying to load a camera in in minus fifty in the in the kind of just in the snow, right. and trying to keep the the film rolls in one mm. place and not lose them, right. and number them, and not. And no, but I was on my own. Yeah. Martina would actually some funny anyway. Go on. No, I was just remembering suddenly. My, I was we were staying in a yurt, which yeah. basically is, you know, a, a, a Mongolian tent in the middle of a snowfield, um, and it was. Uh, I just remembered completely aside, and I was like, Martina, Martina, the fucking sunset is the sunrise is so beautiful, and there was a dude practicing on his motorbike mm. um, on a frozen lake, uh, just as the sun was rising, and I was out trying to shoot it or and and i was like martina get yourself out of bed and she just put her head out <laughs> the slit in the in the tent and looked out and she just went nah it's too light and closing <laughs> so for her like martina was the princess of darkness i became right. the prince of darkness in so in the advertising free world of soho they call me pod the prince of darkness it's like would you i've had german agencies go oh but johnny would you be prepared to shoot in the day? In the daytime. In the daytime. <laughs> I'm like, no, uh, no, only at night. Um, which, which is which is a great way to, to uh, speak of shooting in the daytime and the nighttime. Let's move on to the Audi commercial now. Um, and Audi, you, you won your best new director from the the short film, from The Emperor's Dream? No, from Audi. Oh, um, from Audi. Yeah, you, well, you were with me at the time, right. if you remember correctly. Um, I had... You were at my flat in Hampstead when yeah. when when Jimmy actually I said was I, it the night that you didn't turn yeah, up to the award show yeah, yeah. and my friend <laughs> I, 
And like Johnny, it's the best. It's the about British, there. The British it's television a very important yeah, award. The BTA, <laughs> British Television Advertising Awards, the new director showcase, best, best, new, best director. new director. And, and I was at home. I playing. will say the advertising industry does like to give itself a, a lot of awards. A lot of awards, but this was. But a, this was yeah, a serious was a award. One. My friend yeah. Jimmy Bland went and, <laughs> went and took the award on my behalf and, and I, <laughs> apparently he said he got some good action <laughs> good action that night from being right. the best new director right there you I mean, go and i was at home i think playing having playing, a cup of tea having a cup of tea playing cricket on the in, on, PlayStation, on the playstation playstation cricket playstation cricket we know how to we know how to party humble yeah. humble director that's what i am <laughs> well maybe shy director shy director, <laughs> shy director. um but I think that's a, a, a good segue onto the onto the uh, to the Audi commo yeah. the Audi commercial. So they really uh, have a look at in the uh, behind the scenes. They really were taking a big chance on you because it, the, the Audi commercial kind of was almost a it was almost kind of a reflection of who was the best uh, director in town at, yeah. the, at the moment, and it, and it went to the top boys. And it, and the idea of giving giving the the Audi commercial to to a brand new director, it must have been, uh, it was a, a huge risk at the time. Yeah, it was. And then going to the first meeting, at, as they said, when you see the, if you take time to look at the making of, I used to and still do make um, a book, every project. Oh, and that's what I wanted to, to bring up. And when Johnny said, talks about his scrapbooking, the way he prepares his ideas is with this amazing scrapbook. Each one of these, and I hope you've kept them all because... Yeah, I have. How could I? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'd love to, if there are mm -hmm. any of them here. Because, yeah, yeah. like, when you look at them, it's 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 a photocopy of, of something abstract and, 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 and it's notes and scrawl, hand-scrawled notes all through it and weird copies of photos from here and, and there and, and it's this beautiful art piece all on, on, on its own. And kind of is, yeah. yeah. I took that in to, to see the boys at BBH, um, Dave and Ed, um, the two creatives, and uh, Ben Davis, who's now um, head of television at Droga 5, and um, Dav, who's head of production at uh, BBH, and they looked at the scrapbook and and we're like, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and as they say, and they're making of it, and it is interesting. They were like, we could have used any director we wanted to use. Right. Every, every director wanted to do this. Everyone did. Yeah. Everybody. And, and we just fell in love with your scrapbook. Yeah. So we gave you a chance. And it's yeah. like none of us really knew what to expect. But, mm. but, but in a way, we did because we could see it in this in this book yeah. it had everything in it. Yeah. It made perfect sense. And, you, you know, it was, and it, yeah, for them, they could see the film. Yeah from those images i think and they um and and the the the, the audi commercial came uh, came from this idea that the that uh, audi had uh, i think it was something like six thousand or so new patents on the on the new car and and that it exceeded the the total number of patents that, that nasa had uh, had uh, ever ever filed and this was for this one new car Mm -hmm. And so, talk us about the uh, about uh, just from that idea how mm -hmm. you get got the inspiration. Well, I I didn't want necessarily to focus so much on a car in space. So the you know the basic premise of an idea is is seeing uh, an Audi A6 orbiting. Um, I couldn't really get hugely excited 
by that visually at the time. I mm. was much more excited about of, of the feeling of imagining that, mm. or the person who, or the only person right. who saw it. Because a um, because a, a car floating in space <laughs> could look so cheesy so and cheesy. so kind of. CGI hammy, yeah. just not really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not really something that I was interested in. I mean, unless I could do it in a in a obtuse, abstracted, you know. And so instead of going for just the the uh, the car through space, you 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 wanted to to uh, look at the at. Uh, I wanted to make the film about a man, actually, because mm. it's always much more interesting to make it. <laughs> I mean, they, and they, you know, I made a film about Harry. His name was Ron, right. Ron Champagne. We were. I, I said to them, I want to make a film about a, a, a man, a worker, a real, you know, a man out in Midwest America. Um, I wanted the film to feel like it's just about him, and he just happens to see a flash of light in the sky mm. um, as he's walking back from work, and that trend is just that notion of of him seeing that flash of light in the sky can then take me into space so it's right. how do i get myself from from this real world into space and how do i abstract it and that was my way of doing it with with this actor his name is ron champagne we didn't have an actor until the as they said in the making of the till the day before the um the shoot uh, and he was walking past the casting studio with his work bag Right. Um, with his kind of slick oh, so he bag. didn't even come to the didn't casting. Didn't even come to the casting, and I was like smoking a cigarette outside the <laughs> casting. And I was like, "What the fuck are we going to do? We don't have, we don't have an actor." Right. And then he walked past. I was like, "Excuse me, could you, could you stop <laughs> a minute?" And he stopped. And I was like, "Have you ever acted?" He was like, "Well, n no." And I'm, and could you come into the casting? He came in, and he was incredible, as you'll see from the making of. And amazing, he, this, amazing this guy, guy is a, an amazing looking guy from from his face to his gait uh, like the way he walked was special incredible mm. uh, he walked in and everybody's like you found your man uh, yeah. ron champagne <laughs> and you know we were shooting in alberta in canada um so it was an interesting incredible locations um and you know and uh, it was just one of those projects that that fell into place. Mm. My I was obsessed. Everything I was obsessed with was there for me. I was, at mm. the time, I was obsessed with. Now everybody references Todd Heido. You know, Todd Heido this, Todd Heido that. Todd right. Heido is an American, an incredible uh, American photographer, yeah. who does night nightscapes yeah. and does more than just nightscapes. Beautiful portraits, nightscapes. Mm. Um, but incredible photographer and and Alberta. Feels very Todd Hyde, Hyde, right. Hyde Alberta at night in the snow and yeah. with the illumination from the buildings. I began just got obsessed with the factories in that part of of Canada and the kind of men who work in those factories and the kind of stories they have to tell and and the welders and the workers and the manual laborers. And I just decided I wanted to make a film about one of those guys, just like I wanted to make a film about Niemka, the speedway racer. I wanted to make a film about um, Harry. Mm. and what Harry saw yeah. as he walked home from, from a shift at work. And it was as simple as that. And, and that, that's interesting because it, it wasn't a guy coming, it wasn't a man walks home from a shift at work. It's Harry mm -hmm. walks home from, from the yeah. shift at work. It's his, and is, yeah. is that part of your process to always name the character and to, yeah. to have them as a yeah. specific person yeah. rather as just a... Totally. Mm. I mean, uh, Harry came from... I think I'd see, you know, Richard Avedon portrait of, of what I imagined right. Harry to be when I began casting or a portrait okay, I sent, yeah, sent yeah, to yeah. the casting director. From and the American West, that Exactly, that from the yeah. American West. But then, and he was kind of like, you know, a strong man, as he says yeah. in, in the making of, he's, you know, got six kids that he's had to bring <laughs> up on his own. He's had to be a yeah. tough guy. He's had to, what did he say? He said, I've had to 
zip my mouth when I've, I've wanted had to, to zip my mouth. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I, I'm a strong dude, yeah. but I I need yeah. to keep keep my tongue because I've yeah. got to feed my kids. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and, and learn it was, something from that. Yeah, it was so it was a film about him, and it was amazing. You know, and it was, and then it became about texture and it became mm. how do you show a car in space where you don't you just show the feeling of somebody tracking it you right. know because it's all for me it was all about the the sensors that were going off yeah how what how it was being tracked yeah. by somebody by the russian space agency mm. or by nasa so it was it was all of that kind of thing i was and, the, and the, there's layering there's stock footage from from nasa from the, Russia, there's clips yeah. from from uh from old cartoons agency, and, yeah. and and it's such an interesting way to, to do it and, and as we talked about in the in the uh, director's narration uh it you don't even know it's about uh, about a car or about Audi until right at the end. And it crashes into the water. And when it comes crashing into into the water, and isn't that beautiful? Like it's an amazing like, shot. Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 but what, but but it's just interesting because it it comes on TV at the time. You can't fast forward. There's no DVRs, and so this abstract, beautiful film starts. And I can just I can imagine people all over England just sitting up a little bit and taking notice because it's something that they would not have seen on their televisions before and it was so abstract and beautiful and interesting my dad's reaction i <laughs> you. I never forget it so i proudly was back in Ma manchester what was that <laughs> back in manchester with my dad um god bless him um and he um i was like did you see my audi ad did you see my audi ad it's, it's been on telly and he was like he said yep i saw it <laughs> He's proper northern, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. And I said, what do you think? He said, I didn't, couldn't tell whether the telly was on or off. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell whether the telly was oh, on or that's off. Not, that's, like, that's actually almost a compliment, I, know, I think. I know. It was like it was dark. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that before. Yeah. So, yeah, chocolate biscuits. So it was... It, it was um, but yeah, there you go. It was a film about Ron, about Harry, and it was yeah. a film about what he felt, and 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 it was a film about emotion, purely, yeah. simply. You know, it was like, and I was just like, what's seeing it, what's feeling mm. it, what's sensing it, what's you know, what, how, what kind of cameras would shoot this car? Yeah. If it was, if a camera was going to shoot a car in space, how would it be shot? Yeah. What would it look like? It wouldn't look like a polished kind of right. action movie right. car orbiting you it would be you know it would be shot covered with, in dust and yeah filthy yeah. and i was just, again yeah. part of the whole thing i was saying to the guys at audi it's like yeah. when it crashes into the water it's got to be fucked it's burned right yeah the paintwork yeah. is bubbled and burnt <laughs> yeah. and rusted i'm and, sure and, and that was like, yeah. <laughs> like and, and the previous ones uh, how it, it was like the product the, shot this yeah. is going to be the pro right at the end it's a product you can have yeah. an abstract film but at the end there's this product shot where the audi comes straight towards camera and it's yeah. pristine beautiful thing yeah and then johnny's one of course was diving into water with the paint peeling and yeah. cracked and you can barely bubbling, see it. still hot and yeah. un bubbling but impressive yeah. impressive I it was so. i think so I but mean, the car felt impressive yeah. the car felt alive and and and, and you know it, it, it was hard as well as that yeah. you know cgi at the time was you know you know we we built a scale model a six mm. six scale model of the car and we shot it amazing shot it in the underwater um, stage at Pinewood on the yeah. on the near the Bond stage and that was extraordinary. You know that was shoot and the first time I shot with underwater. Well, it was the first time I shot commercial. Right. And there I am underwater with you know with underwater divers right. set, setting up a shot of a model car coming into a you know water tank yeah. and then the CGI on top of that. So 
it for me as a filmmaker it was extraordinary incredible experience mm. that, you know that still still be in good stead cut to 12 years later and then and the, the after seeing the the first cut of the of the chase bank commercial that johnny shot uh there there are you still see those touches coming in which which adds gives so much flavor to to this ad and, and it, this they, ad could have been just like this regular bank ad and it still, still is a regular bank ad yeah. but it it has something else to it it has a humanity about it it has a depth to it about it 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 it, it elicits emotions that 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 any other commercial won't have and you will remember this when you see it yeah it's it's for me it's about it has to be about emotion which is why mm. i mean a lot of directors are going to say the same thing you can't sure. unless you connect to the emotion of the viewer somehow yeah or you kind of have to do it for yourself yeah. you have to connect to your own emotion mm. and if you can do that then you hope that it's going to connect us to some viewers emotion they're going to see or recognize or feel something even you know you just keep 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 trying to connect to the actor's emotion and my emotion and the, and work with the cameraman so you're in sync and something will happen I think it's interesting actually if you look at Volvic right. which I think is the closest to recent work that I've done that has the the influences of Niemka's Dream mm. and and Audi Satellite you know but Chase there was was my first job actually dealing with proper performance actually trying to tell a story actually trying to get act you know the day before the shoot I was like fuck I'm actually I've got to get really good performance from these people mm. otherwise it's going to be so hammy right uh, but, and but, right. but they're kids right you know, there's like five-year-olds yeah. eight-year-olds and 11-year-olds who, who aren't really actors yeah. so you've really got to work very 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 hard yeah. to try and get they don't understand love i no. can't talk to them about you know because <laughs> the film is about love and it's like yeah. none of them most of them haven't had boyfriends or girlfriends right. even a 15 or even the main kid i was like have you ever been in love he's like no yeah, <laughs> I'm like okay. And then have the we other, ever been in love? I'm not sure. No, I don't know, probably not. <laughs> and then the other one was like, "Have you ever got?" And then I go, "Okay, right, fine. Can you ride a bike?" He's like, "No." <laughs> What do you mean you can't ride a bike? What the hell's going on? Kids these days. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Get me somebody who can ride a fucking bike. And he's been in love now. Now. Okay, Johnny, well, why don't we uh, wrap it up there? I feel we've covered a, a ton of ground, but not even not even close to scratching the surface. And, um, and I, you know, I really implore people to have a look at, the, at, at Johnny's work, especially Nyamka's Dream, his first, uh, first film. And, and also at, make sure you look at um, the making of because I do look rather handsome. <laughs> you do actually. <laughs> no, like, fucking unbelievable. Where the years, years gone? My God, <laughs> I'm like I was so good looking. <laughs> I'm going to cut this bit out. Smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. Now I realise uh, why Johnny wants everyone to look at the making of. He was young and handsome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do that bit again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us here at Daddy OFM. We obviously decided to leave that bit in. <laughs> a further illustration of the ego and self-belief you need to be a director or a creative of any kind. And a reminder that the years go by very fast. So if you're in the creative industries or want to be, then just get out there and do it. There's a huge audience waiting for you right on your phone. 
connect with people, make things happen, believe in your creativity, have a voracious appetite, watch movies, read magazines and books, find great original content on Instagram, talk to your friends and colleagues and discuss your ideas with them. Encourage your friends and they will encourage you. Get out there and create. Don't listen to the haters, especially the voice in your head. It's not to be trusted. Well, thanks again to Johnny Green, my oldest friend, who I'm constantly impressed with. His dedication to his craft is to be admired. Please go back to the Daddy OFM YouTube channel and check out all his work there. Follow him on Instagram, at Green underscore. And check out my photography website, jbookalil.com, and follow me on Instagram at jbookalil. A brand new podcast will be out next week and every week. Don't forget to tell your friends. Share the podcast on Facebook. And if you really enjoy the show, please rate and review us on iTunes as it really helps to grow the show. Thanks again for listening. And remember that the only person you need to impress is you. This was our anthem in 1995, Oasis with Champagne Supernova. Daddy-o out. Wake up the dawn and ask her why. A dream, a dream, she never dies. Wipe that terror away now from your eyes. Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball.